I'm, I'm grateful that you're with us, whether you're joining here in Hong Kong or joining from anywhere around the world. Uh, we're so glad that you're a part of the Vine family uh, in this time and in this hour. And we're starting 2022 uh, in a place of hope. And I know that the last week has been pretty crazy for all of us. Um, and it has thrown us back into this church everywhere situation. Um, but I want to say today what I said at the beginning of our uh, sermons last Sunday, and that God is in this place and God is in this moment. And His uh, closeness to us is everything we need in this time. And I believe it is time for us to dream again. This series that we're starting, I believe, is prophetic. And off the back of the week that we've just experienced, even perhaps more prophetic because the dreams of God have been placed on our hearts. And as I said to us last week, it's not right for us to throw those dreams up on the shelf and put them on hold. Now, of course, you know, during this pandemic, we've had to adjust. We've had to pivot. We've had to understand what was going on with the virus and provide for ourselves and for this world in the best way we can to help us to survive and flourish with the virus. So some of us have had to quite understandably put some of those dreams up on hold. And I said last week, it's all right for us to, dream, to put those dreams on hold for a season, but it's not all right if that season becomes a lifestyle. And as we step into this third year of the pandemic into 2022, I want to kind of shake off some of that kind of lethargy we may have fallen into or, or shake off some of those things that have been put on hold. And I want us to grasp them again. And I said last week that the reason why we do this is because God has decided to flourish the world through a partnership with us, with humanity. That He gives us His Word and He gives us His dreams so that we might be His hands and feet. And, and it might blow our minds to think this, but God decided to use us, decided to partner with us in the outworking of His Word. And Scripture tells us that when His Word goes out from His mouth, it does not return to it void. And there's some words, there's some dreams, there's some hopes, there's some visions that God has put on your heart. And while those may have gone on hold for some time, we've got to grab a hold of those words again and begin to live them out in our lives. If we don't do that, we're in danger of stunting some of the things that God actually wants to do in our hearts and our lives, stunting some of the ways in which He wants to move in our sphere of influence. He works through us, His hands and feet. So it's time for us to dream again. And as we shift back to church everywhere and as we prepare ourselves and do the best that we can in this city to stop a, a fifth wave from happening, we must dream into what the future of this city is going to look like. Last week, I, I began this idea of dreaming again by taking us to one of the great dreamers in the Old Testament, Daniel, and that powerful moment in Daniel chapter 2, where he interprets the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you didn't listen to it yet, jump online, uh, check out last week's message. But I, I provided in that message five basic foundations for dreaming again. And these are on the screen now, the five things um, that we can do to start that process of dreaming again. It is to know that it's all a grace gift from God. It is to know that we need faith in the process of dreaming, that we've got to have a community around us so that we can dream well, uh, know that our response to the dreams that God gives us is always worship, and to know who our God is. That's so key, that we would understand who God is so that we know His power, we know His promises, we know His character, so that no matter what might happen in our present, no matter what might happen in the physicality around us that does not shake the character of God. It does not change how we understand His purposes and promises in this world. And so through that, we then are able to dream again, to take those dreams 
put them into action and begin to work for him in our world. And now in 2022, we need to do that more than ever. And what we're gonna do this week and over the next five weeks ahead is we're gonna take one dream from Scripture, we're gonna open it up and we're gonna talk about it as a way of maybe giving us some ideas of how God might be causing us to dream again in our own lives and in our city. And and I'm really excited that today we get to go to perhaps what is maybe the most famous dream in the Old Testament. It's the dream of Jacob and the stairway of heaven. Now, before we open the scripture, uh, let me provide a bit of context to the passage. This dream happens for Jacob in the most critical moment of his life. We know from Jacob's story that he's a fraternal twin with his brother Esau. But his brother Esau was born 30 seconds before him. And while that may not seem like a long period of time, that's like a lifetime when it comes to the benefits that Esau had over Jacob. As the firstborn son, Esau would get the birthright of all of his family's name, his family's power, prestige, and wealth. That whole inheritance would go to Esau himself. And as we track the story of the relationship of these two brothers in Genesis from chapters like 27 and onwards, we get to see how this relationship is. Esau and Jacob could not be more different physically. Esau is this big, burly, tough guy. He's a warrior. He's a hunter. He's hairy. He's larger than life. He's the sort of guy that everybody in those days wanted to be like. They wanted to be strong, farm and hard and the hunters of their family. That was Esau. Jacob was completely the opposite. Jacob was like this skinny guy. He's kind of a little bit more like me, like a little bit skinny, a bit of a mummy's boy, one that would rather stay at home than go out and hunt and gather. That was him. And, and Jacob, what he lacked in physicality compared to his brother Esau, he made up for in his mind, his intelligence and his smarts. Jacob used his wit to try to get his place in life, not his brawn. And he did that through scheming and deceiving and lying. And we know in Jacob's story that one of the ways that he tries to get himself uh, to have all of the things that were going to go to his brother was by scheming and deceiving his father to giving him the birthright rather than Esau. And that moment shifts everything in that family. The father is so upset that he is schemed and deceived into doing this. Esau wants to literally kill his brother because of this. And so Jacob's mother comes along to Jacob and says, you got to get out of here. You got to flee. You got to leave this family because you're going to get killed if you stay here. You need to go. Why, Why don't you flee to my hometown, which is miles and miles and miles away? Go, leave us. Go and start a new life there. Flee over there. Make that your home. Find a wife in that place. If you stay here, you will be killed. And so, Jacob, in the fear of his life, in the lowest, worst moments of his life, decides in the middle of the night to flee his family and head out towards where his mother's home was. And we're going to pick up the story right at that moment where Jacob is fleeing and rushing away from the family. This is found in Genesis chapter 28, and I'm going to start for us in verse 10. If you're on Instagram right now, put it away. I love you. Put it away. This is going to be awesome. Let's check this out. Verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. 
He had a dream in which he saw a stairway or a ladder resting on earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there beside him stood the Lord. And he said this, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are living or lying. Your descendants will be like that of the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. For I am with you. And I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this place, this land. And I will not leave you until you have done all that I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought to himself, surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. A few years ago, I had the, the great honor of visiting the country Jordan as part of the research that we were doing for our Exodus film series. Now, if you're going to ask me what's one of my dreams for 2022, it would be to get our Exodus film series completed uh, and get that uh, released to us as a church. And I encourage you to pray for us as we still try to work a, a right time to get to Egypt to do that filming. Um, but a few years ago, I'm in Jordan and we're doing some of the research for the locations in the north of Jordan that we need to film as Israel prepared themselves to move into the promised land. And we found ourselves whilst we were there having a rare day off. And so we said as a team, what are we going to do on our day off? Well, it was pretty obvious we're in Jordan. So we jumped in a car, we drove three hours south and we visited Petra. Petra is one of the seven wonders of the world, one of the most incredible places that you can ever go to. If you're ever in, and I know this is probably annoying you because I'm talking about travel, but hey, if you're ever uh, in a position where you're traveling in the Middle East, you've got to go to Jordan and you've got to visit Petra. Um, and whilst we were there, we were just blown away by what we saw. The centerpiece of Petra is called the treasury, the facade of the original temple. Uh, and of course, we can't travel there right now, uh, but I can show you a photo uh, that we took whilst we were there. Here's a photo of it. And as you can see, it's incredible. Uh, just this amazing kind of structure that was created right there in the middle of the rocks. Petra is known as the Rose City on account of the red colored rocks in which it is built. It was actually constructed by the Nabataeans in the 4th century BC. And it was constructed there because it was right there on this incredible trade route uh, that was happening in those days. And the facade that you see in this photo was the entrance of the main temple that they had in that city. Now, just like every temple in those days, there were only a few very uh, special people that were allowed to enter into the heart of the temple, into the holiest place of the temple, where the presence of their deity was believed to have dwelt. The common people, people like you and I, would never have been allowed into the heart of that place. All we were allowed was to stand outside and gaze in and do our worship on the outside. So the majority of the people that lived in in Petra in those days would never have set foot inside that temple. Now, 
the architects, when they were building this facade, did a brilliant thing. Because they realized that most people would never be able to set foot in that holiest of places, they decided to bring the holy place outside. So they decided to enable the people, the common people, to be able to see what the holy place in the temple actually looked like. Let me explain this by showing you the photo. If we put that on screen now, you'll see this again. So on the bottom half there, you can see the pillars and the little kind of uh, roof of the pillars on the lower 50% of that facade. Okay, that was the entranceway of the actual temple. But above that, on the upper 50%, there is this beautiful other design. Now, most people think that's just the full design of the front. That's not the case. That upper 50% is actually a mirror image. It's a construction of what the inside of the temple looks like. So that top 50% is basically the architects deciding to take the inside of the temple where people would normally not be able to go and put it on top so that people could go, that's what it looks like inside. It's like the architects literally pull back the curtain in the temple, bring the holiest of places, construct it on top of the actual pillars and say, hey guys, this is what you would see if you actually stepped inside. This is what the holiest of places looks like. Look and be amazed at this. I love that idea. Look and be amazed indeed. When Jacob receives the dream of the stairway to heaven in that random place where he's put his head on that rock, it's like God is peeling back the curtain and saying, Jacob, I want you to see the world as I see it. I want you to see where you are as what is really actually happening. It's an incredible moment. Uh, and in verse 12, we, we see the power of this moment. Let me read this to us once again. He had this dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to the heavens and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. In this dream, he sees this incredible thing. It's literally like God peels back that curtain and says, this is how things really are. Look, there is a connection between heaven and earth. He, he sees a stairway or a ladder and there are angels going up and down on it in this dream. Jacob's heaven. Now, I want you to see something really important here. This dream is not about Jacob having some stairway so he can walk up to heaven to meet with God. This dream is not actually at all about Jacob embracing the stairway for himself. In, in fact, in the dream and in the story, we never ever hear of Jacob going near the stairway. It's really important you understand this. The stairway dream was to communicate this to Jacob. The dream of the stairway was about God coming down to Jacob, not Jacob going up to God. It was about God coming down and deciding to actually meet with Jacob, which blows our minds that God would decide to peel back that curtain and say, you need to know that I am the one who comes from heaven to earth. I, I don't stay up in heaven, removed from everything. I'm not standing at the top of this ladder saying, hey, Jacob, just come up here. And if, hey, if you can come up here, you can get out of that horrible stuff you're in and come up and live a better life with me at the top of this stairway. No, it's actually the opposite message. It's actually about God saying, I know where you're at, Jacob. 
I know what's going on in your life right now. And I'm going to open up a picture, a vision for you to see that I come down to meet you. That the power and the spiritual atmosphere of heaven is not reserved for heaven. That that spiritual power and that atmosphere brought as it is by my angels is for the reality of this place in which you live, earth. This is actually why in verse 13, he says this, and there beside him stood the Lord. Not up there at the top of the end of the ladder, but there right beside him. It was like God was kind of putting his arm around Jacob and saying, you see this? This is how the world really is. I come and meet with you. And I I can't think of a more encouraging thing for us to think about at the start of 2022 and at the end of this week that we've all just experienced, that God comes and meets with us. In fact, we've just been celebrating this idea, haven't we, in our Advent series and in that season of Advent as a church. But, but I want you to know this, that Advent is not just a season. Advent is a reality all the time. That at the very heart of who we are as Christians is this beautiful thought that God doesn't remain distant from us, doesn't expect this distance, but instead draws near. And I think so often as Christians, we get this wrong. So often as Christians, we think that our faith is actually all about ascending to God. We think that our faith is about how do we get closer to Him? How do we try to ascend up to His level? And when we think that way, it creates actually a work mentality in us. It creates a striving based on the law rather than based on grace. We begin to think, well, if I could pray better, if I could live a better life, if I, if I could have a better ethic morality, if I could just be more righteous, if I could attend more church services, if I could do all these things, read my Bible better, maybe I would ascend to a closer place with God. The whole beauty of this dream that God gives Jacob is that no, it's not about your law. It's not about your striving. It's not about your works for righteousness. It's about my grace coming down to meet you. It's about me coming and being with you in this moment. And remember the moment of Jacob's life where God meets him is not when Jacob is all cleaned up and forgiven and a perfect person. It's right in the middle of the worst moment of his life. It's right in the middle when he's fleeing as a refugee from his family. It's right in the moment where his brother wants to kill him. It's right in the moment where he's left his mother. Right in the moment where he's got nothing, literally so little that he has to take a rock and make that his pillow. That's the moment God comes and meets with him. And that's a word in season for some of you listening to this right now. Because you started this year and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm a long way from God. You started this year thinking like, man, my life is so messed up. Like, like it's so bad. Like I, I don't even know how I could even approach God. And I want you to know that Jacob in the worst moment of his life, God peels the curtain back and says, I am right beside you. I'm not going to bungee jump you out of here. I am here right beside you. This is why there's this beautiful moment here uh, in verse 16. Let me read this to you. Uh, This is Jacob's response when he wakes up from the dream. He says, when he woke up from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Come on, church. Surely the Lord was in this place. And I was not aware of it. What What a powerful thing for Jacob to declare that God was right there, even though he was not aware of it. And I can't think of a better 
better passage to sit over us as a church, sit over you personally at the end of this week, at the beginning of this year, as things have shaken again in our city, that God most surely is still in this place. And I think it's very easy for us sometimes to be so overwhelmed by our circumstance and our situation and completely forget or, or, or be, be blind perhaps from being able to see what God is actually doing us around, around us. And, and I think if there's something for Hong Kong in this hour, something for Hong Kong right now, it is this, that we could declare as a church that surely the Lord is still in this place. Even with what's going on with COVID, even with what's happening politically, even with all the changes that seem to be taking place, he has not left us. He is still here right beside us. And he's saying, it's time to dream again. It's time to believe and think again that my power and my spirit, that all the riches of heaven are not some distant place that I'm expecting you to ascend up to. No, it's about us coming here right now and being with you. See, the center of the Christian faith is not focused on us ascending, but on God descending. With us in this moment, right here, right now. Surely God is in this place. But if you're anything like Jacob that night before he had the dream, perhaps you're feeling anything other than that. Perhaps you're feeling actually like you're in a nondescript place. Perhaps you're feeling like Jacob was kind of between places, having left one place and not yet arrived at another place. Perhaps at the beginning of 22, uh, you're, you're feeling yourself in a, in a place where you're, you're wondering what's next. Perhaps you're feeling isolated, feeling alone, feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere, a nomad. Some of you might be feeling that spiritually as you start the year, feeling like you're kind of between places with God, that you're not perhaps connected to Him in the same ways that you've been before. Perhaps you're overwhelmed with what is happening around you in your family, with relationships in Hong Kong, in the world, and you're just feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere. It's as Jacob is in the middle of nowhere that God peels that curtain back and gives him that incredible dream and shows him that he is actually present with him. So much so that, that actually Jacob says something brilliantly here in verse 19. Let me read this to you. He says, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar, poured oil on top of it. Then he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. He called it Bethel when it used to be called Luz. Let me, let me preach on this for us for a moment. The word Luz uh, literally means to be separated or to be in departure. It means separation or departure. And there's no better name perhaps for where Jacob was in that moment before the dream, feeling separated from his family, having departed what he'd always known as home and was heading into something that he didn't fully comprehend right now. He was living literally in separation and departure. But he takes that place and he renames it after he receives the dream. And he renames it this, Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. So he takes the place that was a place of separation and departure and he declares instead that it's actually the place of God's residence where God is alive. Uh, verse 17, he puts it this way. He was afraid and said to this, how awesome is this place? This place is none other than the house of God. This place is the gate of heaven. Notice that he says this place. Now, now this blows my mind because get this, the place has not changed. 
the place is still the same place that it was before he went to sleep as it was when he woke up. It wasn't like Luz had changed at all. It was still isolated. It was still lonely. It was still in the middle of nowhere. There was still only rocks for pillows. What hasn't changed is the physical place itself. What has changed is Jacob's perceptive about it. He now sees something different. His perspective has shifted and changed. And I want you to know this. When God's Spirit breaks into our lives, when God's Spirit comes and works in us, the first thing that always happens is a shift of our perspective. We actually begin to see things differently. Even if the circumstance and the environment doesn't change, we begin to change. We've been transformed. We see things new. And so he looks at the very same place with all of its isolation, all of its separateness. And he says, no, for now on, this will be called something else. Because although it may still look that way, this is none other than God's house. You see, for Jacob, the place of separation had become a place of connection. Luz had become Bethel. And this shift that takes place for him is not necessarily fully immediate. In fact, his life's going to get even tougher in the months and years ahead. In fact, it won't be even uh, until 20 years that Jacob is reconciled to his family. So just because God shows up doesn't suddenly make his life perfect, but it does communicate this to him, that even in the place of Luz, you can find the reality of the comfort of God's presence, that God can meet us and walk with us and be with us even in that place. For some of us in, uh, who are listening to this right now, here's the reality. You're looking for the stairway of heaven in all of the wrong places. You're believing that the stairway to heaven is some destination out there, that, that it's some place away from your current luz. That, that this place that you're in right now, that you're not enjoying, that is hard for you, that is difficult. You're thinking to yourself, well, well, my connection with God will get stronger if I was somewhere else than if I was right here. You, you, you think it's someplace else. If, if you can get out of your luz, then you might be able to find God. You know, your luz could be something like your debt. If I can just get out of my debt, then I can find God. If I can just get out of this relationship that I'm in, then I might be able to find God. If I can just get that promotion I've been dreaming for, well, then I might be able to find God. If I can actually turn this thing around in my family, I will know that I've found God. If I can change my church, then I might be able to find God. We always think that our connection to God, our relationship with Him is some other place. And the beauty of this story is, no, God comes to the love. He comes to the place where you're at right now. That if you're looking for a future destination to be the place where God is going to meet you, then you've got the mentality wrong. That actually God peels back the curtain for Jacob and says, even in your loves, I am here with you. Not, not in some other place where you think things are going to be amazing. But right now, see, see, this is the great thing. God is always in the practice of taking the loves of our lives and turning them into Bethel's. That's what he does. He turns us into a greater place of intimacy with him, even though many times the circumstance and situation may not change. Some of you need to stop thinking that your deeper relationship with God is someplace else than right here, right now. Surely God is in this place, in the hardship you're going through, in the suffering you're facing, in the grief that's there, in the difficulty of this moment, in the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. 
And that encouragement is there. And, and I know that in my own personal life, this is my testimony, that it has often been in the hardest moments of my life that God has broken in and brought his presence with me. Not always miraculously changed the circumstance, but met me within it. I remember the hardest night of my life was that night when my father passed away. I, I sat with him at his bedside for five hours, uh, helping him, just him and me. And I felt so helpless. I felt like I couldn't do anything. I had prayed and prayed. And I, and I just felt like there was nothing that I could do to comfort my dad in those final few hours of his life. And I remember even in that moment where I was kind of freaked out and I was so anxious and worried that I still knew that there was the presence of God in that hospital room. I knew that he had drawn close to me. And, and there was this amazing moment where my dad and I had this kind of lucid moment together. And it really felt like, although the circumstance didn't change, that God was present there for the two of us. And just a few hours later, my father passed away. And I remember when that happened, I went into a place of shock. I went into a place of complete and absolute not peace and, and panic, and I was overwhelmed. But when I needed it in the moment, when my dad was present with me in those final few hours, I was able to be present with him because God didn't remove the luz, but met me right in it. And I believe that's an important word for some of you watching this. You, you want to bungee jump out of the bad thing you're in when actually that bad thing may well be the very place where God wants you to dream again where God wants you to experience the reality of the power of his spirit in you. You see, God has created a stairway, not so that we would go up to him, but so that he would come down to us. And that stairway is always with us. And I know that because of this amazing thing. Some 1,500 years after uh, um, Jacob had had this crazy dream, I want to read you what Jesus says to the people that are around him. This is from John 1, verse 51. Then Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love this. 1,500 years later, Jesus takes this vision that Jacob has and he says, guess what? I am the stairway. Guess what? You will see on the Son of Man, angels ascending and descending. In other words, if you want to know what connects heaven to earth, it is me, Jesus. And our Christian faith is based around this beautiful idea that through Jesus's life and his death and his resurrection, from all that Jesus has done to pay the price for our sins, to be raised again on the third day, to be ascended now and to send his spirit to us, that Jesus and our relationship with him is the thing that now connects us to all of the power, all of the authority, all of the hope that there is in heaven. It can be on earth, not because we, we kind of strive to find it, but because in relationship with Jesus, it is given to us, not in our righteousness, but by his righteousness, not in our works, but by his grace. He has come and he's given us his son, Jesus, to show us the way to our own salvation and life. And this is such an amazing thing for us. So for us, the house of God is not a place, it's a person. For us, the house of God is wherever Jesus is present. And because that's a reality, we know that no matter what is happening in our own luz, we can find the fullness of the power of God amongst us. You see, the idea of his spirit being on earth is not reserved for some New Year's Eve one-off resolution as if like it's a, a moment like it was for Jacob. 
But because we now are in relationship with Jesus, that Jacob moment can happen every single day of our lives. That actually our Bethel is a daily spiritual reality that we can know no matter what is happening around us, that that relationship with God through Jesus opens up to us the fullness of the work of the Spirit in this world. The fullness of the power of the Spirit at work amongst us. We here at The Vine, we are not a church that sees or believes that the spiritual gifts and the power of the Spirit seized after the apostles. Here at The Vine, we believe that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now alive in us. We here at The Vine believe that that encounter with God's presence can be known in every moment of life, that we have access now to the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit, the fullness of what God is doing here on earth. And as we start 2022, it's time for us to dream again. It's time for us to believe that the full access to the Spirit of God and the work and the power of that Spirit is available for us right here, right now. My prayer for us, I sense in me a rising hunger for this spiritual anointing, a rising hunger for supernatural work in this world. I'm tired of human wisdom. Perhaps you are. I'm tired of what I'm reading in the newspapers. I'm tired of all these different perspectives and opinions about everything. What I want is the supernatural word of God. I want the supernatural power of God to be seen in the world and seen in our hearts and seen in our lives and yes, seen in our churches like never before. If there's one thing that's on my heart to dream again for us here at The Vine is that every time we gather, whether online like this or in person in the room, that there is an embreaking of the spirit of God into the present right now. That healings happen, miracles happen, the word comes, people are transformed, people are changed, people come to faith, Salvation takes place. Why? Because we're so special? No, because surely in this place, God was present with us. And we weren't aware of it, but we're dreaming and we're praying and we're believing that God will peel back the curtain this year, that he will show us that it is all happening around us and that in that we will find a place of great joy. And what better way to lean into this than our fast that starts tomorrow? And I want to encourage you to make your fast your ability to shake off the Luz mindset. That mindset that says, I got to be somewhere else. Oh, if only I got X, Y, and Z in place, then I can restore my relationship with God. Oh, only if this took place would I know the Spirit's power in my life. No, right here and now, no matter what is happening, His Spirit is available to you. His power is fully moved towards you. And I want to encourage you to shake off that mindset that would hold us back and instead to dream new dreams for your workplace, for your family, for your relationships, your sphere of influence. And yes, for us at The Vine as we do church and life together. God has broken in and our relationship with Jesus connects us to him. He's not inviting us up on some stairway so we can have some mountaintop experience and feel better about ourselves. He's come down the stairway to meet us in our brokenness so that we could be transformed at the level of our soul, even when things are still crumbling around us. At the end of this week, with all the things that are going to be happening in the couple of weeks ahead, do we move in fear? No. Do we move in caution? Absolutely. Do we do what we can to make sure this virus is contained? Of course we will. But here's what we do move forward in. We move forward in knowing that this luz right now does not define the supernatural realities of God. That this luz right now can be turned upside down because God has come. 
And I want to pray that over us. I want to pray that over you and wherever you're watching this right now, that this year would be a year of supernatural encounter for you, that you would come to know the Lord in a deeper way and that He would draw to you. And perhaps that's just your simple prayer this morning. It's just to say, God, I'm in Luz <laughs> and I want this Luz to be renamed Bethel. Would you come? Would you peel back the curtain? Would you help me to dream again, to see again, to hope again, that even in this place that I'm in right now, it could be transformed by your glory and for your glory. I wanna pray for us. If that's speaking to you, I wanna encourage you, wherever you're watching this right now, just open up your hands uh, and I wanna come and let's pray. Father, for each person right now whose hands are open before you, Father, we ask, Lord, for Bethel. We ask for the house of God. Lord, I thank you that today on this message, people are watching this in their homes. Lord, I thank you for that because their homes is your house, Lord. But the house of God is not 29 Burroughs Street in Wan Chai. The house of God is wherever you're present. And you are present, Jesus, right now in every person who's watching this. And so, Lord, I wanna pray for that Bethel experience. I wanna ask for the supernatural to be relative to us. Lord, in the same way that you helped Jacob and you were like, hey, look at this. This is what it really looks like. Just like how those architects in Petra made that thing on top of the, of the, of the pillars to say, this is what it looks like. Lord, I pray that right now we would hear you say, hey, Andrew, this is what it really looks like. Hey, Andrew, this is what I'm doing right now. And I pray that that would be your story. And Father, I wanna ask for that supernatural inbreaking. Lord, it's a work of your grace. You've decided to come down. Your angels at work amongst us. And Father, you know the needs of the people that are watching this way better than I do. So I pray now, Lord, that you would come and this would be their reality. That they would be able to testify that even in Luz, they experience Bethel. And Father, I pray that this would be for your glory, Lord. Lord, we pray for anybody that's particularly stressed because of these two weeks. We pray for those that own businesses or run restaurants or bars or clubs or massages or wherever it is, Lord. Those that are working in gyms. And Father, we pray for those in our family that have been really impacted. Lord, they're in a place of isolation. They feel like they're in a place of kind of nothingness, the in-between. Lord, would you meet them right now in their loves, Lord. And Lord, we recognize that all of us struggle with loves. We have character issues. We have unforgiveness. We have bitterness. We have things that, Lord, are in our lives that we're not proud of, Lord. We ask that you would come and meet us in those places that you would come and give us your supernatural strength and your supernatural vision for us to be able to have the, the ability to say sorry, the strength to repair broken walls, the strength to step away from a relationship if that's needed or step towards a relationship if that's needed. Lord, the strength to see what you're doing in a situation and be able to join you in it. Father, this is our desire, Lord. Would you move by your spirit over your church, Lord? And we pray here at the Vine in 2022, 
whether we're online with church everywhere or gathered in a room in person together, that this would be a year of the power of the Spirit amongst us. Lord, we hunger not for world, worldly wisdom. We hunger for the wisdom that only comes from you. We hunger, Lord, for your insight, your power to be our everyday reality. And Lord, as we enter into the fast tomorrow, we ask that you would make that your space, Lord, that you would come and meet us. You would enable us to dream again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. Let's uh, return with some worship and let's just allow the Holy Spirit to come now and focus in us as we give him our worship in response to what we've heard today.